Welcome to the world of fiction, where we're lying, but that's okay. One prepared host, two neurodivergent nerds, two authors dig deeper into the lies that expose truths. If you're a fan of fiction with a curious mind, tune in each week for discussions on speculative worlds, fandom, the industry, and creating. Let's talk about favorite characters. I'm your prepared host, J.S. Garrity. And I'm the host who's pretty lost and trying to figure it out as he goes, Ludlow Adams. For our new listeners out there, every week I choose and prepare a topic because I'm a researcher and a planner. And since I forget about things, I find out the topic about a half an hour before where I actually have time to sit down and look at it. And so we just kind of run with whatever comes flying out of my mouth. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. All right. <laughs> so first I want to start out with what makes a good character? We've studied yeah. this a lot. Let's yeah. share our our knowledge. You know, it it's interesting. Um, you know, there there are specific things that people will say, like, you know, people will write a book and somebody will tell them you have too many characters, you need to consolidate them. That's one of the things that happens mm. quite a bit. Um, the character needs to be interesting. Sometimes, depending on what you're writing, the character should be a little larger than life. But it, it not always. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you need to be able to root for them, even if they're the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know beyond that, really. Like... You know, I, I think it's one of those things where it's not a perfect character. It's a bunch of different types of perfect characters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's more like trying to figure out the perfect spaghetti sauces. You know, yeah. you plot everything together and it turns out you've got a cluster over here, a cluster over here, a cluster over here. Mm-hmm. Or the best cookie recipe. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. different great things about yeah all of them. Yeah, I... I think that um, if you're still practicing your character development, too many characters can cause issues for sure. Um, But if you're a master of character, having a huge cast can be really enthralling. And um, I mean, Robert Jordan has a ginormous cast. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brandon Sanderson has huge numbers of characters. Yeah, Steven Erickson as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, dozens and dozens of characters per book, and you know, all three of them are pretty good about not making them feel exactly the same as mm-hmm. other characters. They all feel a little different, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I am really impressed with any author who can write more than twenty characters that feel authentic and like you're yeah. truly listening to someone's story yeah yeah i would agree with that i like i i'm still working on this to be honest with you like i'm still kind of figuring out how to differentiate them more and more Mm -hmm. um but i think some of that comes from my writing style which is i'll do a, a brief outline and then i'll just kind of write and tell the story and then i have to go back in later and 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 adjust all these different things Mm mm-hmm yeah um i consider character one of my 
strengths relative to some other story elements like plot mm -hmm. and setting. I tend to start with a character in mind mm -hmm. and the development of that character, the internal dialogue and conflict of that character. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's what Weight of Gold is. There's not a lot of plot in Weight of Gold. It's all the character. Yeah. I struggled with that a little more with my thesis because I, I've talked about this before, but I intimidated myself with that plot mm -hmm. and struggled with it a little bit. But I think, you know, a key thing that we've learned in the MFA is that the character needs that internal conflict and that internal yeah. journey. And that's yeah. what creates a three-dimensional character. Yeah. And every character needs that. So it's not enough to just have your protagonist and your main antagonist to have that, you know, their own internal conflicts. All of your side characters need one too. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be completely fleshed out. You don't have to write, a, you know, a whole novella of backstory for every single character. Every single character needs to have something that motivates them, something yeah. from their past that influences their behavior and the choices they make in the present and something that is behind their motivation. Yeah. The, the two things that I would say, um, one is, um, how Brandon actually writes characters. Like he has this setting, he has this plot all figured out. His characters are fairly loose and he kind of lets that organically grow. And he says mm -hmm. he just has had gotten better results from that. The other thing I would say is to kind of reinforce something that, you know, what you were just saying about characters, even side characters needing their internal conflict. Every single character, side character or not, um, needs to be the hero of his or her own story. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they really, they need to have some agency and like. So, mm -hmm. again, that's something that I'm not great at on the first or second pass, but it's something definitely that I need to keep continue to work on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that kind of goes along with the different camps of, you know, what kind of writer someone is, um, you know, if people believe in being a pantser or a planner, yeah. that kind of idea. Some people really flesh out a character ahead of time, create a detailed character profile, which we did do in the MFA program. Um, hardly anything from that original profile actually made it into my final version of my character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was, it's an interesting way of doing things. I don't know if that works so well for me, for me, creating a character is like getting to know someone over time. Mm -hmm. And as you write them and as you write their thoughts and their feelings and their behaviors, yeah. you start to get a better idea. Of who, of they, who are. they are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's um, um, a quote from Eisenhower, of all people, um, about D-Day that I think really helps, right? Or or really, yeah, I don't know, helps um, or it helps explain writing and the preparation. And, and he said that um, not long after D-Day, he said that the plans that they made were worthless, but the planning was invaluable. And I think it's kind of the same thing for me with 
with preparation for a book. Sometimes it all goes out the window Mm -hmm. and it's, it's not like, you know, I, I, nothing is quite used, but the planning, the time and the thought and the energy that I put into it is just invaluable because I understand it so -hmm. much better. I might not know any of it, like how it's going to work, but I understand the situations and the characters, et cetera, Mm -hmm. better. Yeah. Nothing you write is a waste of time. None of nothing you write or plan or outline or profile or brainstorm is a waste of time. Even if it doesn't end up getting used, it's actually, um, I would say fairly necessary to write stuff about a character or even write actual scenes from their backstory that never make it to the book, but flesh out the character for you so that, their behaviors and their choices make sense um, for you and then connect. Yeah. I agree with that. Nice work. Yeah. Nicely explained. Um, so who is your, like your favorite character or your top three? Because, you know, asking a writer, what's your favorite, who's your favorite (laughs) character is just impossible. If we're readers. So yeah. Yeah. Asking a reader is next to impossible too. (laughs) Um, so Quoth from, Mm, um, mm -hmm. Pat Rothis, I love Quoth. I think he's just real. He's one of the most real fantasy characters I've come across. Um, just like, he's really good at what he does, right? He's really talented, Mm -hmm. but he does not think he is but not in a kind of tropey sort of way, but in a very human, relatable kind of yeah. way. Well, and that's kind of interesting because, you know, over and over and over again in, in books on writing and classes on writing and things like that, we hear or read, if you want to make your character more likable, make them better at something, make them really good at something. And for some reason that just connects for people and they're like, oh yeah, he's this guy where this gal's a, a complete and utter badass in this way. So I really mm-hmm. like the character because of that. So, you know, okay, cool. Yeah, because we want something yeah. that we aspire to, want yeah. something to admire. But then yeah. we also need that balance of that person being flawed. Yeah. And quote, quotes, sorry, quote, <laughs> I cannot talk. Quotes. <laughs> quotes. Flaws are very internal. And there's like, it's not explicitly stated all the time, but there's this mental health kind of element that's involved and this mystery, because the story, for those who don't know, the story is told through a present day man going back into his history and telling the story of his life up to that moment. And the man in the present is this innkeeper who is... Um, no, it's, it's not an inn, it's a pub, right? Or no, it's an inn too. Tavern. Tavern, Yeah, something like that. Pub, whatever, yeah. And he's kind of laying low. Like, he's famous, everyone knows who he is, but he's laying low. He doesn't want people to know who he is. Um, and he's getting this story out and written down by this scribe. Yeah, who hounded him. Yeah, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And so there's this mystery throughout of what happened to him. Why? Yeah. What broke him? Something yeah. broke him. And we don't yeah. know what it is yet. 
And so the entire time we're following this story and there's painful things that happen, horrifying things, traumatic yeah. things, but nothing has broken him yet. And so this mystery of what is the thing that ends up breaking him yeah. is, it just keeps you connected to him, keeps you intrigued. Yeah. And, and the, uh, the conversation between his old companion, you know, quotes of companion, um, who's known him for years for, I mean, it really sounds like decades at that point mm-hmm. is what it sounds like. And the, the biographer mm-hmm. is really interesting because, you know, the, the companion, I don't think this is a major spoiler, um, spoiler ahead. If anybody hasn't read the first book and, and doesn't want to hear anything, skip ahead about 20 seconds. Um, he, you know, the friend is like, you have to bring him back to life. Like you have to reignite him kind yeah. of. I wouldn't say and, that's a spoiler. I'm pretty sure that conversation happens like in the very beginning yeah, of the book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah true. But, um, it, it, you know, that's one of the other things that, that builds that mystery. Like, okay, what is going on? What happened mm-hmm. to him? Why is he like this? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a minute. You know, now it's even more important. Like, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's go back and forth. Now you, what's one of your favorite characters? Um, I have th- three favorite characters but like basically there's a tie so there's really four but i count them as three okay um so the first one i'll go with is um benedict from much ado about nothing Mm. um now the thing that i would say is i read benedict very differently than a lot of people um a lot of people are like oh he's a misogynist no he and beatrice obviously had some issues but but you know a lot of that comes out in what happened. Beatrice tells the prince that she lost Benedict a long time ago. And so one of the things mm-hmm. that you kind of try to start figuring out is like, why did they split? And like, he went off to war and he came back and it's been a few years and that's it. That like, that's what we know. But I think we can kind of infer a few things and like, the reason they're so angry with one another is because they love each other desperately and they couldn't make it work. And my guess Mm -hmm. would be Benedict, uh, Beatrice saying, and this is because I, I know people who did this when the, the guy was about to go off to the Vietnam war, they got married very early, like I think 17 and 18 or something had a baby so that they, they, she had a piece of him before he went off to Vietnam. Now, luckily in his case, he came back. So I think that kind of makes me think that that was some kind of situation like that with Benedict and Beatrice. Like, she's like, you know, let's get married, give me a child. And he's like, I have to go and do this other thing. Cause mm-hmm. Benedict is very duty driven, very mm-hmm. duty driven Yeah. to the point where when he says he's going to kill another character, everybody takes it seriously, mm-hmm. even though he acts like such a buffoon sometimes. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I just love the complexities there with Benedict. Yeah. Our our dog is named Benedict after oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We all That's our pets awesome. have literary names and yeah, nice. our dog is Benedict. Yeah. 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 It's a good one. Yeah, I like him. Um and and like I really kind of fell in love with the the play because of the the Benedict uh <laughs> the 
I almost said Benedict Arnold movie. Um, the <laughs> movie done in the early 90s. Yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah. a good one. Yeah, that was one of my favorites ever. That's one of the first movies Max and I ever watched together when we were dating. Oh, oh. Yeah, that has a special place in our heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I think Benedict is a very misunderstood character. Yeah. And Shakespeare has quite a few of those. He yeah. even has entire plays that are, I think, misunderstood. Yeah. Where he is satirizing something or um, condemning something and people think that it comes across as he's celebrating it. Um, I think that happens a few times. Yeah. Well, in and, Shakespeare. And the whole idea that he's classy and, you know, never talked about anything, you know, even remotely dirty or anything excuse me like it was sex and violence mostly yeah. sex throughout yeah. every single one of his plays like yeah. every one of them he he talks about it mm-hmm. um yeah and and my um one of my teachers in high school pointed that out to us we were reading a play i don't remember which one it was probably romeo and juliet now that i think about it and you know when she says what satisfaction would you have this night and we're all like we all kind of freeze and 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 our teacher was like these plays are very body and the the um uh the crowd the the audience that was watching this would be thinking the exact same thing you guys are thinking mm-hmm. right now and we're all like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> wow okay all right yeah yeah so yeah yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Like, oh, he's a 600-year-old author or I I'm, I'm sorry, 400-year-old author. Um and yet, you know, that just means he's he's clean and <laughs> <laughs> everything. <laughs> just cuz it it's it's put in a, a different kind of language. It's put in that rhyme, the iambic pentameter and not yeah. some of the slapstick stuff is not in iambic pentameter. And yes. that's sometimes yeah. how you can tell that we've gone into the you know yeah. crude slapstick humor <laughs> um but yeah you get yeah. these like really kind of cerebral big ideas in this poetry and then it's juxtaposed yeah. against this yeah. i mean really like cheap laughs essentially yeah yeah well you know when you want to when you want to bring something to a very wide audience sometimes that's the way you do mm-hmm. it you know there are some comedies that have you know some of the most dramatic moments you could ever imagine yeah um and that's how they get away yeah, with much it. Yeah, much ado about nothing was one of yeah. those. There's some really yeah. serious, kind of intense, oh yeah, devastating yeah. moments. Yeah. 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 Okay, uh, your second, your next favorite character. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to preface this by saying I have not read the comic yet. I want to. Okay. Um, but I have watched the show. And the Sandman is just mm. an incredible character. I I just find him so fascinating. And the yeah. all the stories that are told and it, there's not like a single, because it's based on a comic book, right? Yeah. So it's not like necessarily a single plot line that goes through every single story that we encounter. But um, the Sandman is in all of those and... I find him a really interesting, fascinating character. Again, it's like a kind of a tortured soul and you get bits and pieces of the backstory and what has happened to him. Um, wasn't he that, also, 
Oh, I'm sorry. Go sorry, ahead. go ahead. I, I was just going to say, wasn't that one of his very first projects? Like his, his the project that got him on the map, really? Oh, I don't. I'm not sure, actually. Um, I'd have to look into that. Max might know off the top of his head. Um, but he started with comic books for sure. So um, it, it might have been, or at least one of the earlier ones, perhaps. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he started out with with the comic books and that comic books are what put him on the map. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I it's on my list of, of things that I want to read and I want the physical copies yeah. obviously right yeah but they're huge and there's many of them and yeah they're expensive and so i have to figure out exactly yeah. how i'm going to approach that um, yeah even the omnibuses i'm looking at it now like an omnibus volume one is 80 bucks mm -hmm. you can get what looks like the whole collection for 150 3, pages of of story there mm-hmm um yeah, yeah, Christmas I, present. Yeah, right. Is that on the Christmas list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think that was one of his earliest works, and that's really what what brought him from being you know like a journalist over to being a, to being a uh, an author. Mm hmm. Yeah, nineteen eighty nine. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Neil just is isn't such an outrageously talented storyteller. I don't know about. Mm -hmm. I'm. Let me back that up. You know, a lot of times talent is what what we say when we really mean like he's good at it. And I think he spent a lot of time perfecting his craft. Yes. Yes. So you know, talent plus practice, right? Yes, That's yeah. The formula. Yeah. I haven't read it, and and I haven't um, I haven't seen the show. So yeah. something I'm completely I lost. <laughs> love in characters is when we personify a, an idea, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. Sandman is, is dream and mm -hmm. his siblings are, uh, you know, there's, I think, is it envy death? Death is one of them for sure. Mm -hmm. I can't remember them all off the top of my head. I apologize for that. But um, the idea of personifying dream and mm -hmm. the things he can accomplish through dreams and the way that people can be changed through them. Yeah. Um, I just find it all so very fascinating and he's such an interesting character. Yeah. There is another author who did something very similar to that. Uh, Piers Anthony. Um, and it's the incarnations of immortality and it's basically mm. that these these things, death, life, nature, good, evil, they're jobs that get filled by people somehow. Mm -hmm. And they each have different rules for it. And it's pretty interesting, actually. I think I've read all of the ones up until from 1983 to 1990, but it looks like there was one published also in like 07. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious about that one now. Um. But yeah, there's some, you know, it, it's such a, an important, or it's such a popular um, trope, I guess. Um, yeah. Because, but it has to be done really well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I think it's so important, or it's so popular or common, because 
you know, we take these ideas and we turn them into archetypes and then we personify them. And I mean, we'll anthropomorphize. That's the way to say that, right? Anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, we're, we're humans. Personify. We'll, yeah. 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 We'll, we'll, we'll pack bond a toaster or anything else. So yeah, mm -hmm. we're gonna, we're gonna turn an idea into a person somehow. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I think it's a great way to try and understand an abstract concept like that. Yeah. Like, death is a huge yeah. one people are fascinated with death they have been since you know the beginning of of art and culture we see in ancient art and ancient literature and oral history this yeah. focus on death and yeah. you know religion really is focused on the idea of death and it not being the end right yeah something comes after and religion kind of revolves around that idea. You know, yeah. everything you do is about making or getting the life that you want after death. Yeah. So, it, you know, that's just one very common example that people love to see personified into a character in all kinds of different media. Yeah. I see it in comics a lot. Web comics, death is personified. Um, books, of course movies tv shows um poetry death is a huge one um, yeah and yeah I, I like the idea of of being able to process and understand something so complex by turning it into a human with characteristics that are yeah. relatable yeah yeah, if you have a chance, I would check that check out that other series at some point. Um, Piers yeah. Anthony is kind of a mixed bag when it comes to writing or reading his stuff sometimes. But that one's a pretty neat series. And it starts with death. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's probably the best book in the series by far. Um, and I might have to find a copy of that because now I kind of want to go back and reread it now that I've got 30 some odd years of of life experience mm -hmm. from the last time I read it. <laughs> this, yeah, you should message it to me and I can put it in the show notes too so that our listeners can can find it. Um, but how about you? What's your second? Second. Um, yeah. This one may actually get me in a little bit of trouble. Uh, the author S.M. Sterling has written um, some interesting books. He wrote uh, some books where basically like the Confederate States of America joins with South, uh, South Africa somehow and like takes over half the world. The Draca series, I've never read them. I probably will never read them. Not particularly interested. Um, so a lot of people have considered him have been like, oh, he's he's obviously a racist because he's he's written some of these things. I don't know about that. Um, he wrote a series that colloquially are often referred to referred to as the Nantucket books and the idea is the Nantucket the island of Nantucket and the United States Coast Guard ship the Eagle which is a sailing ship that we got from uh, 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 Germany after World War II as part of our reparations um, which is kind of interesting so there's like swastikas still like in places and stuff mm. on the ship because you know they've been painted over but yeah. in some cases they're still um, like in the steel, I guess. But anyway, um, it's 
it's those two entities, basically, those two groups get thrown back in time about 3,500 years, and now they have to figure out how to live and survive. Mm-hmm. And it's like mm-hmm. Island in the Stream of Time and some other stuff on the Oceans of Eternity. I, I forget what they are exactly, but if somebody looks up the Nantucket books by S.M. Sterling, they'll find them. The captain of the Eagle is a, um, a woman who happens to be black and gay. And she is also a martial arts um, fanatic and like loves military history. So is really well read and um, even like naval engineering. So like she can help design boats and stuff. So fantastic character, so much fun. Um, and yeah, just hands down one of my favorite characters. Uh, her name is uh, Marion Alston, and unfortunately, a lot of the times you have to like do that entire explanation to give context <laughs> to why why this is such an you know an interesting character. Yeah, but yeah, yeah she's really really cool. Um, I love the fact that you know she's she's really competent. She's incredibly good at these different things, but that's one of those examples of. She easily could have been three different characters, but, you know, because of the length of the novel, et cetera, or the novels, it's a trilogy. Um, she, th- those characters get compressed into Marion Alston instead. Sounds badass. She's awesome. I love it. And she grew up, you know, uh, like 200 miles from where I did on the coast of, she grew up, she grows up in the low country in South Carolina. I grew up on in the in the swamp country of East Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it would it, it would probably be very interesting listening to somebody who speaks like that, because I would be like, oh, yeah, that's I grew up not too far from that. I get it. Mm-hmm. I, I hear yeah. the accent. So, yeah. 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 Really neat. I think that's so cool. Yeah. Um, speaking of badass women. Mm-hmm. Uh, my third character, uh, no surprise here, Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> um, but I just, I have to bring up Shalon because I love this character so yeah. much. And the way that she's been developed over the series is just, I mean, chef's kiss. Like, <laughs> um, I don't want to yeah. give any spoilers, but she has some moments of, real empowerment where she's conquering is, childhood trauma and yeah yeah that's amazing go ahead yeah go anytime ahead. you see characters tackle that kind of stuff you just kind of have to be like yeah nice mm-hmm. this is the uh the series that started with way, way of kings yes okay yep. stormlight yeah. archives someday i'll read these yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're long reads i have to listen yeah. to them because i don't have time to read a book that length um yeah. on paper so I listen yeah. to um when I take my daughter to school and, and yeah. when I pick her up and I'm waiting in the drop-off line for forever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Shalon, uh, she has some pretty significant childhood trauma and she has um, what used to be called multiple personalities. It's actually dissociative identity disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not called anything like that in the book, right? It's not a diagnosis. Um, you just meet these other characters that are a part of her. 
and I don't want to get into too many spoilers, so I won't say much more than that, but okay. um, the way that Brandon Sanderson has written this um, disorder, this mental illness into a fantasy character mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't turn it into a superpower, um, but still affects you know her Mm -hmm. power and what she does and her character and her role as a fantasy character right um because things like that impact your daily life it's unavoidable um but he's done it in a very respectful way i think and um very accurately i imagine he probably consulted people with did to create this character because it's very accurate (laughs) especially compared to what we usually see in media with um, DID and multiple personalities and the way it's usually sensationalized. Yeah. Um, And he doesn't sensationalize it. It's a very integral part of things, but it's not um, done in a way where um, I think it's done well, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think he does it very well. He is really compassionate about things like that Mm -hmm. like he wants to get it right he wants to do a good job with it he wants to show people what it's like without being nasty or rude about Mm -hmm. it um he was part of a kickstarter gosh a decade or more ago now um altered consciousness i think or something what they did was he and and some friends they like rewrote some things with some characters that um they showed the characters differently and in a lot of cases with like mental Mm -hmm. um you know mental conditions or something so um i'll dig that one up as well and and i'll send it to you uh Mm -hmm. in message so that we can get that into the show notes as well but yeah, yeah it's um yeah, he's really, I mean, he's just a compassionate guy anyway. He wants to treat people right. He wants to be good mm-hmm. to people. So, yeah. Yeah. I. It was just something. Um, and, it, and Moon Knight, I felt, did a pretty good job, too, mm-hmm. in the sense that they didn't turn it into, it, it's not the superpower. Yeah. The superpower is something else. You know, it was given to him by God. And he just so happens to also have DID, which makes yeah. things he has to do a little easier because he can separate, right? Um, and actually, the, that scene, and a lot of people thought this was sensationalized and dra- dramatized, the scene where he is talking to his other part in the mirror, and mm-hmm. they, they can talk to each other through the mirror, that mm-hmm. is actually something that people with DID experience. Not everyone, oh, wow. but some people do experience that where they talk to their parts in the mirror. Um, and sometimes that person they see in the mirror looks different to them. I'm so, gonna have to, yeah, I'm yeah. going to do some reading about this because like bipolar into, um, wow, I cannot think of anything today. It's the... Um, <laughs> It's like super bipolar disorder almost. It's um, anyway. It it uh, it doesn't really matter. Like that stuff, I kind of like I can see, but yeah, schizophrenia. The, yes, yeah, okay. schizophrenia. Yeah. Um, 
and, and it's interesting because if somebody has a traumatic brain injury, they're more likely percentage wise to end up bipolar. They're much more likely percentage wise to end up schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. 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 So it, it, it's always kind of interesting to me. So yeah, mm-hmm. that'll be, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And DID is often misdiagnosed as schizophrenia. So gotcha. a lot of people with DID yeah. go through throughout a lot of their lives thinking they're schizophrenic. Yeah. Um, the main big difference, and this is really oversimplifying things, but the main difference is that with DID, the voices are internal. With schizophrenia, you're hearing them externally. Gosh. Yeah. So that's the biggest difference. And even with DID, sometimes it can seem like the voices are coming externally. Um, but for the most part, it's an internal mm. dialogue. So yeah, mm. that's really oversimplifying okay. things because we sure, just don't yeah. have time to get into all of yeah. it. But well, we don't have time yeah. to get in a bipolar disorder <laughs> either. So right, yeah. right. Yeah, completely um, understood. Wow, that's <laughs> that's interesting. And and of course, mm-hmm. if anybody's gonna tackle it in epic fantasy, it's gonna be Brandon. So that's mm-hmm. pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and Shalon does have internal conversations. Um, and it's done in a way that is according to what people with DID have expressed and, um, talked about their experiences being, it's very accurate. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Character three for you. So this is kind of the tie. They're both in the Malazan book of the fallen series, which is why I kind of lump them together. It's, um, either whiskey Jack or, Lord Anamanda Rake, the Son of Darkness. Um, <laughs> um, Whiskey Jack is a soldier in the Malazan Empire. He um, has been a leader of the Bridge Burners. Um, he was what's called a fist, which is basically like a general or high general almost or something. Mm-hmm. Um, high general, high fist, which is like kind of a political commander as well or something. I don't really remember. Fantastic character. Um, across mm-hmm. the board i just love the character so so much anamanda rake is more of an archetype he is like um well we say the son of darkness because he is like his mother is literally mother dark in the series um mm-hmm. he is kind of a personification of that um and but he's a force of nature as much as 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 anything else whereas whiskey jack is very human very very human and amanda rake is is very alien in different ways but um he's gosh tens of thousands of years old he's not human to begin with he's a different species um Mm -hmm. yeah i love them both just they they kind of like in wheel of time a lot of people are like especially guys are like oh i like matt in land because they're kind of like different sides of the um, responsibility mm-hmm. coin. You know, they, they, they approach them in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, Anamanda Rake and Whiskey Jack approach manhood in slightly different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, although Anamanda Rake would not consider himself, um, you know, like an icon of manhood or anything. But he's the he's that archetypal 
complete stoic, whereas Whiskey Jack is much more emotional, much more humane. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get what you mean. There's a, it's a foil, a character yeah. foil. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and what's interesting is they actually meet in the series, and like it, it's, it's fantastic. It's really, really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And then. I think Steven Erickson does character death pretty much better than pretty much anybody. Um, And, you know, so these different characters are involved with other character deaths, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just amazing. It's so Mm -hmm. incredible to see some of this stuff. All right. I want to do one honorable mention. Okay. Really quick. Um, Umbrella Academy. Okay. The TV show uh klaus Klaus, i don't know if you've seen it but Mm -mm. for those who have i think you'll get it immediately (laughs) klaus is so lovable um he's a clear favorite but he is uh he's a bit of an anti-hero right um he's got lots of addictions uh struggles is often strung out because his power is that he can commune with the dead and yeah he had some pretty traumatic experiences with that in childhood and the only way he can really silence those things is by you know getting high or um getting strung out um anyway his his character development and his arc is fantastic Mm. and he's lovable and quirky and funny and Max and I just adore him mm-hmm. on that show. Okay. And I believe Umbrella Academy was also originally a comic book. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, my honorable mention. Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, I'm actually <laughs> going to go with a Downton Abbey. Um, okay. Example: uh, John Bates, Mr. Bates. Mm-hmm. Love him to death. Um, some of the best emotional scenes in the entire show have been with him um in the the first episode you know a a lot of people are like oh i don't know downton abbey it's good blah 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 and then and i get it i mean there's definitely some issues with like glorifying that kind of a lifestyle that that um you know can very well easily be seen as yeah some some pretty serious issues with it but John Bates is fantastic. And there's this couple of scenes in the very first episode that just made me fall in love with the show. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot. And I was just floored. So yeah. um, he's so well realized by the actor that I will actually hunt down other things by the actor just, mm-hmm. to, just mm-hmm. to see him in other stuff. I've only f- I've found one other thing that I've watched lately, and it was really good as well. But yeah, yeah, John mm-hmm. Bates. That's a good one. We have a few minutes left. I okay. want us to get a chance to pick at least one favorite antagonist mm. or favorite villain. And I think we've all heard the, you know, a villain that we love to hate, right? Yeah. So a villain can't just be unlikable, a truly unlikable villain that, um, that is also such an intriguing and exciting character that's a a successful antagonist we don't want it to just be someone who's gross and we hate and we never want to 
read them on the page. Yeah. It needs to be someone we love to hate, right? So what would yours be? Can you think of one off the top of your head? Yes. Uh, Septimus, he Septimus Heap series, the series Septimus Heap. There is um, one of the one of the brothers of the main character. Um, I'm I'm really trying not to make it give any spoilers because if somebody doesn't read the first like Booker, so it 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 would throw them. Um, one of one of the brothers of Septimus Heap. Um, he becomes like a an apprentice to a necromancer. He hates Septimus Heap. He's incredibly jealous. All these other things, but he's so well written. Um, mm -hmm. And th there's just there's some really really good uh, moments with him as a character. Mm -hmm. Who's yours? Yeah, I asked that question. I didn't even have one like prepared. <laughs> um, yeah, it's such a tough one because there's so many good villains out there, right? Yeah. Uh, lock and key. Um, oh my gosh. Why is it escaping me right now? Dodge. There it is. Okay. Dodge and Lock and Key, I think, is a fantastic villain. Um, again, don't want any spoilers, but the more you learn about Dodge and who she is, the more exciting and awesome of a villain okay. she becomes. Okay. Um, yeah, I like I like Dodge. And even before you know any of that stuff, when she's just initially introduced as the antagonist, uh, she's she's badass. Um, she's creepy. You know, she's got all of the things that a villain needs to have. Yeah. And I I think the actress who played her as well does a fantastic job. Okay. Nice. Yeah, that's always good. You know, bringing things to life. It. it yeah interpretive art is so different than mm -hmm. than um other art what generative art or what i forgot what the other term yeah. is um, apparently i didn't i either slept way too long or not nearly enough but yeah so yeah a, july a good, has been a weird month it's a weird yeah. month here in july <laughs> it really has <laughs> um yeah all right any last thoughts any more characters you want to shout out or find? No, not not really. Um, oh, actually, another villain. Uh, okay. Flag from um, Stephen King's Eyes of the Dragon. Mm. I yeah. There's a scene in that book that had me gripping my copy of the book so tightly there were thumbprints you could see the indentations for years for a couple of years afterward wow yeah that's kind of awesome <laughs> yeah yeah it was you know to to me you know i think i read it when i was 13 or 14 it, that was just one of the most amazing things so wow yeah well that's high praise yeah <laughs> Yeah, he, right. he he knows a couple <laughs> things about writing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Right. Um, yeah. So it, we'll put all of those in the show notes. Um, if you want to just, I tried to take notes, but if you want to just send me yours, okay. um, that might make it easier because my handwriting is 
not the best right now <laughs> on my little sticky note. I get um, but yeah, and if we get comments figured out in time and you can leave a comment or leave a comment on the Facebook post, let us know what are your favorite characters. Yeah, please. We'd love to, love to hear. All right, that's our time for the day. Uh, we've been your host, Ludlow Adams. And Jay Scarity. Thanks for tuning in. Join us next week or so for a new topic about the world of fiction. This has been We're Lying, But That's Okay. Big thanks to our listeners for your support. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review. Thank you to our one-man production and tech support team, Max Garrity, for making this podcast possible.